All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game. DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs. Make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack. Easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate. Slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Force fetch. What is it? It's super intimidating to so many people, yet it's not that difficult. I built a step-by-step process that helps you understand it. You and your dog can be successful in it and it takes the intimidation away of the process so that you and your dog can get to your goals. That's what it's built for. Let me teach you how I do it so that you and your dog can do it. Different breeds, different personalities, problem solving, and more. Check it out. Links in the description. The Force Fetch Course. Baby. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. I am hailing from South Carolina, Johns Island, Charleston area. I've got the podcast equipment, so we've got a, a caller tonight, and his name is Kevin Owens. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Good to be here, Bob. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm shocked that you didn't actually lose all the SD cards and things like that, but uh, there's still time. So figured out. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, buddy. Yeah, dude. Let's talk uh, real quick about our sponsors. Quickly. Yeah. We got that Yukonuba, baby. It's the food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck. You see what I did right there? I see it. New formula. I really like it, and I am urging you to do the three-month challenge. Three bags, one a month. Let it rip. Tell me what you think. Um, next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. Every little nook and cranny of that thing is made in America. So you're not only supporting American workers and American jobs, but you're also keeping your dog super safe. Our dogs are not only our family members, but they're also an investment. You know, we've invested time, money, energy, and emotion into these guys, and it, they deserve the best and the safest. So check them out, Gunner Kennels, and if you're interested in getting into any of the Gunner Kennel products, you can shoot me a DM, baby. Next up, shooter shoot that mm, bismuth, baby, that mm, bismuth. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm all a little little uh, peeved. I haven't seen much activity on Kent's Instagram where everybody just writes B B B B B I I I Z Z Z Z M U T H come on. 
hit him with that bismuth. Uh, love shooting this stuff. Uh, went on a little tiny half-hour quail hunt with uh, a you know client of mine and good friend, Dr. Ed. Uh, he showed up to the plantation we train on, and he's like, hey, I got some, some quail out. Why don't, you, why don't you come with me? I'm like, Psh, okay. Shot some bismuth at those birds and knocked them, knocked them dead unless I missed them completely. But if you hit them, they're going down. Next up, Dogtra. And when that dog was running away chasing that quail that I missed, I gave him the old here, Nick, here on the Dogtra, Edge RT. And that sucker turned around and came back under control. So uh, the, the e-collars are a great way to enhance your dog's ability. It's it's one of the best training tools out there. So if you're interested in Dogtra, you can check them out on LoneDuckOutfitters.com. It's 1900S or Edge RT. Plus, they got a bunch of others. So check them out. You can ask us questions of what, what we think would fit your family and your dog. Uh, next up, Traeger. Smoke them if you got them, baby. I brought my little Ranger, the back of the truck, plug it into my dog trailer. We can smoke them on the road. We'll be rolling coal and smoke while we're going to hunt tests and all that good jazz. I can't wait to get some chicken wingies on there. Next up, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. If you enjoy the show, if you want to show some support for the show, get you a Lone Duck hat or a Lone Duck t-shirt. We'd appreciate it. We got other gear on there for training supplies and whatnot. So scroll around, find something you like, and uh, we'd be happy to get you into a little loan D, baby. Also, if you want to give a little thank you and buy me and Kevin a beer, you can join our Patreon. We got a lot of other in-depth ticks and tips and tricks for you and your dogs, some drills and whatnot some prairie videos that didn't hit YouTube, some drills that we do uh, via video that we aren't putting on YouTube. So it's a, a tight-knit community. We're doing discounts on some of our sponsors and stuff like that. So join the Patreons, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. And uh, it also, I forgot to mention, it also gets you into an all-expense paid trip, one lucky winner, one lucky Patreon, all-expense trip, to go sea duck hunting with the one and only Jeff Coates, Pit Boss. So check Pit Boss out on Instagram and get fired up for the possibility of winning a trip with him. And last up, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. They keep us in tune with you and uh, us in tune with them. I don't know. I screwed that one up. But hey, Waypoint, check them out. All right, Kevin. Let's get into the show, man. Um, we've got what we're going to do on today's episode is just... Just dabble a little bit on what's new. We've we've got the lab puppies that I saw, and the Andy puppies went to our whelping lady Celeste, and uh, so that'll be fun to talk about. And then we also have a Q and A that are straight from our Patreon members, so they had an opportunity to write questions in, and and so we're going to answer some of them here, and then we're going to also shoot a video answering the rest of their questions, so they can watch that. So if you do want to tune into more of those you can join our patreon um but man it was a long ride kev i don't know if i even really talked to you about it, it was a long haul. no no we didn't get a chance you've been uh i mean you were extended farmer hours now when you're down south because you're flying solo yeah yep. you got the whole whole deal by yourself so how how was the trip how's the track puppies do everybody's okay we're good yeah everybody's good the puppies were phenomenal riding partners i mean they I had them in a 
container, if you will, so they couldn't move around too much in the back seat of my truck. So it was safe and relatively clean and, you know, they had like the lid off, but they couldn't climb out. It was like too tall for them to climb out. And dude, yep. I'm telling you, they slept like babies, literally. I mean, they are, but they slept. Yeah. And once or twice, you know, you could hear one whimpering and whining and like yipping. And two minutes later, quiet, back to sleep, um, you know, aired them a little bit and just took care of them. And they were easy, and, but the ride was long. It it took me three hours to get about an hour and 20 minutes down the road because the roads were so crappy that early in the morning. So I definitely well, don't miss the snow. It, yeah, it took forever and it put us, well, go ahead. No, at least you didn't have to, uh, shovel out a foot of snow today. We got worked pretty good. Oh, really? So that's okay. Yeah. No big deal. Whatever. You're down South now. It doesn't matter to you anymore. You're just eating boiled peanuts, <laughs> living a different life. That's right. My alter ego, Southern Bob. Southern um, Bob. Yep. So, you know, that kind of put a damper on the beginning part of the trip, and therefore it pushed me back. And then we hit, there was an accident up ahead, and it was going to put me like an uh, over an hour later. So I called Celeste and said, I'm not dropping the puppies off tonight. It'd be 10 o'clock, and I'd still have to air dogs. Like, I can't do it. So I called my friend Oliver Berman, Foundation Retrievers. Shout out. Thank you, Oliver, for the hospitality. And he's been on our podcast before, so find his episode. Um, and so we aired. We had a few beers. We just caught up in person. It was awesome. We did a about a half an hour wood duck hunt the next morning. Um, no birds were really harmed. no birds were harmed in that oh, hunt. Okay. Yeah. Peter friendly. Yeah, Peter friendly wood duck hunt. And it was fun, man. It, it just it was nice, and the dogs were safe, and we had a great place to air them, and they got to burn energy after being on the road for so long. Um, I, I really appreciated his hospitality. Then the next morning, we drove to Celeste's, dropped puppies off. I did a bunch of socialization stuff with the Labrador puppies, and we did a whole deworming and stuff like that and weights on the setter puppies so that Celeste could have her like information all right there and get to know them and then yep. i drove to charleston and we got here and we started getting the the barn kennel area set up and cleaned out and and ready and prepped and the next day i did more of it and aired dogs and they they had a blast they've got such a beautiful backyard it's two acres fenced in um i mean right in it's their home and so yeah it's really neat that they can just kind of the dogs can kind of let their hair down and just chill and run around and play and lay in the shade or in the sun. And and meanwhile, I can get chores done getting ready for what's coming ahead. Grind time, right? Yeah. Like hunting season. I want to hear about it, though. Yeah, hunting season's over. Dogs are back from hunting season or young dogs that don't know anything. And it's time to start working daylight till dark training. And so just even today, like I... I cleaned my trailer, got all the salt off of it, fine tooth comb, and we were training by 11 a.m. And little Jack Burwell, he had, what is it called, uh, virtual school today. So in between classes, he was helping me clean and take care of dogs. And then he threw birds for me all afternoon. And 
So it's good, man. We got a good group of dogs. Uh, uh, let's think here. I mean, I don't want to go through everybody, but I would say there's probably eight or nine dogs that are at the senior to like senior level that run master setups and want to be master hunters, several master hunters. And so there's that crew. And in that crew, there's dogs that people would know like Hunter and Aries that are lone duck dogs. Um, a dog, a yellow male named Drake and Aries and Drake and a dog named Lincoln. I've trained Lincoln for a while now. These three boys are going to give me, well, Hunter's actually pretty good. I shouldn't even say Hunter. Hunter's been really good, but you're on edge every time you walk to the line. Every time you pull them out, it's, you know, I'm not filming them like relaxed. It's work and I'm working them and taking time with them and making them slow down. They're so high energy and they know what's about to happen. Like you let them out of the trailer and they'll like hang out with you. When you let them out of the trailer and there's a four wheeler in the middle of a field, they're ready to go. And so, you know, their biggest downfall is getting to the line and, and comprehending and thinking during all that. So, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of got on to them today a little bit. And as I'm getting on to them, I'm like, man, maybe I need to try something else. Maybe I need to approach this differently and just take even more time with it. Um, instead of just going to the healing stick and yeah, can you, can I cut you off right here and, and have you maybe, cause I understand what you mean by like getting on them and, and you know, maybe what that entails, but can you explain for people who may not have, uh, seen Aries bucking like a Bronco on his way to the line? Like maybe. Um, yeah. For, yeah. Good question. So what I mean by get onto him is either e-collar or healing stick. And I'll, I mean, I'm not super hot on the collar, but if they get out in front of me, they're getting continuous pressure until they get back and sit down and, or I'm giving them a healing stick swat and you can scale that just like any other correction. You can do nice and gentle, or you can get it up there kind of hard and then you scale back down and whatever the, the need is. So, um, you know, I can kind of see Aries is like every other cruise, you know, that first litter of cruise puppy. He's just like them. This is, I mean, I think I've had him like two weeks now and he's the same, like super high drive, but kind of a big baby. So you, you tap him on the button. He's like, Whoa! <laughs> you're like, bro, oh, that's not, that's not even a quarter of what I could give you. Um, so I don't want them being flinchy. I want them comfortable and thinking about their marks. And so I've got to balance this out because he, he's steady but he'll do like a little hop. So the mark will go off and he'll do like a little baby mini hop. And what's going to happen is that's fine in training, but guess what's going to happen at a hunt test with no e-collar and no talking to him and no this, that, and the other. He's hop turns into a skip and a jump. Yeah. And he's 10 feet away from you and or breaking. So we need to correct this now. And he only gets that bird when he's chill and relaxed and, thoughtful of what's going on so we're going to do some different stuff I think I'm going to work on like coming out of the holding blind and running a blind and there though there will be four wheelers out there and holding blinds or white white uh like field trial holding blinds out there or stick men um and so he thinks he's these dogs are all going to think they're coming out and getting a mark and I'm going to calm them down run a blind maybe run another blind 
pick up a mark, run another blind, and just have some control because they still love running blinds, but it's not as fun. So if they come out of the blind thinking, hmm, what am I going to get? Instead of everything they come out of the blind getting is a mark. So, you know, it's a really neat way. It's, I mean, I really was adjusting my behavior today. Like I can't keep swatting them or e-collaring them because I'm only almost adding to that excitement and frustration that all they want to do is go. So we need to, I need to just, this is what training is. Like I don't have the answer, but I'm going to come up with the answer. And I'm going to try three things and see which one sticks. I might try a dozen things and see which one sticks with each dog. They're all a little bit different. Um, Drake can take a little bit more healing stick, but I didn't do his collar conditioning. Somebody else did. And I don't think he fully comprehends how to turn that collar off. So he'll stand there and take it instead of comply with what command I gave him. Like, let's let's say I tell him here and I'm on a low to here and he's feeling it but he's not complying with the command so i need to kind of redo his collar conditioning while i'm still advancing some of the other things to just make sure that when i give a command and i use the e-collar he understands what i'm telling him and and why that correction came or else he's just going to be super confused as we advance does that make sense yeah no i'm tracking i just Again, okay. I wanted to make sure that we're breaking it down for people who, yeah. you know, haven't seen it in person or, or right. aren't used to seeing dogs that, you know, they have so much drive that they're tiptoe dancing on their way to the, or barking or squee- just in excitement and they literally can't handle themselves right. uh, on the way to the line. And, you know, that's, that's not acceptable behavior. And, you know, how do you handle that sort of thing? And so sure. I just think it's important to, yeah, and I'll reiterate. Uh, sure, yeah. Yep, and I'll reiterate. Like, Aries isn't that bad. Like, he walks the line pretty nice, but he is. It's like watching a a horse do like the high step or something. Like, he is pounding his feet, ready to go, and we just need him to relax a little bit. Um, and, and same with Drake. Drake's a little. His obedience is pretty rough. So I, I have, outside of doing marks, his obedience is very good. When it's Mark's, he thinks it's his show. And so, you know, I just need to train him. I mean, that's all it is, is just train the dog. And so every day you got to do several things. And that's why, you know, the benefit of a pro dog trainer is they get several setups a day. They get several training sessions a day where, you know, you can kind of do obedience while you're walking to the tea pattern field and you can do obedience and make them sit there while you're doing chores and not, or maybe not chores. I don't know what I would do, but you know, I'll make them. No, sit. I know what you mean though. I'll make them sit while you're I'm very... grabbing other things and getting right. things rolling or packing up and make them sit there. So yeah, anyways, I, I definitely am going to have my hands full with that like intermediate senior hunter crew where they're doing the work and it's very good, but it's not acceptable enough to take to a hunt test because they would fail. It's just, that's just plain the truth. So I've got to train them and try and work on some of these quirks and work on some of these little bad habits that they've accumulated and teach them what the new good habits are as well. Like while I'm handling that, I need to be teaching them concepts about swimming down the shore and de-cheating and swim by and, this, that, and the other. 
Now the Young Dog crew is is pretty cool too. Like, um, I mean, there are dogs that have some, a really good head start. You know, they love picking up ducks. Uh, a few of them are through force fetch already, so we're going to be starting pile work and T pattern. And then other dogs that are you know able to do marks, but they're not. They haven't even started force fetch, or uh, I mean, they're just they're just new man. So. You know, they're like one of them. He's kind of goofy and dopey, but you can tell that he likes it. So he's going to mature a little bit, I'm sure, on this trip. And, and over the next few months, he'll he'll start to like just get a little bit older and, and get into a routine instead of being like, oh, stick, drop the duck, go grab that stick and run, <laughs> run away. It's like, you son of a gun, just hammered a nice yeah. mark and then you go do that. So he's just got to, you know, realize what's what. Um, and then old Prairie dog, I need to start training her. She's been just a house dog and she's sleeping at my feet right now. It's a really, really nice puppy. I'm really enjoying her and Carrie is really enjoying her and she's been to the beach already and Carrie's taking her around town and introducing her to people. And, you know, I think she's going to be really nice, but we need to start up in the ante with her, taking her a few days a week and doing more bumper marks she loves live pigeons and she loves little fun bumpers but you know we got a question in i think on instagram and it was you know my dog's chewing on birds well prairie dog she does too like she'll bring it to me but she's she's trying to pluck a few feathers and she's only maybe four months old but i do have a little technique with a check cord on how to work on that i'll describe it really quickly but i think a video will will show it better but basically i got my check cord on the pup and when they go and grab the bird and you can do this with a bumper as well especially if dogs like ah he, this works for many way things one it can help dogs who don't like ducks yet it can help them pick it up two it can help make a dog who is a little mouthy on a bird pick it up and hold it nicely and three it'll have a dog who picks it up and tries to run the other way or do a big loop around you it'll get them to come to you quicker so it it fixes a lot of these little puppy things that people struggle with and so what you do is you got your 30 foot 25 30 foot check cord and you pitch your bird or bumper out there right hey 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 throw it and they run and go and get it. There's no steadiness. There's no holding them. There's no nothing at this point right now. So she goes out and she grabs the bird and stands on it and and like either shakes her head or plucks a feather before like gripping it and bringing it. And what you do is you apply tension on the lead, on the check cord, and same with a dog who doesn't maybe want to pick up a duck. If you apply that little bit of tension and like just gently make them think you're pulling them away from what they want there. And then you give in like, so I pull a little tension on them. They're feeling it and they turn and like pull against you to grab at that bird again. As soon as you see them pull against you, you relax the leash or check cord and they snap and grab it. And then you reel them in. And so if you, and, and then what also can happen is you put, apply tension and they turn and come to you. No big deal. 
hey, okay, let's go get our bird. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on. Walk out, grab that bird, pitch it again. And as soon as they like either leave it or are thinking about it or are picking it up and like screwing with it, you just put a little bit of tension on that leash. They're they're going to, whether it's the first time or fifth time or eighth time or 12th time, it's going to happen where they don't want to leave it. And so they're going to snap and grab and then you reel them in. Hey, good dog. Um, and so it's, it's really a big thing on timing of when you relax that leash and let them actually make that pounce on it or snap of the mouth to grab it. Um, but it, it fixes it and it starts creating better habits of go grab, bring back to Bob. So we'll do a video on that for old Prairie Dog because it's it's not a big problem at all. I don't I don't foresee her being hard mouth or bad with birds or, or eats birds or anything like that. This is strictly a puppy who is super fired up about feathers, and we need to instead of like if I let this go on for a few more months, sure maybe we'd have a problem that I would have to fix. But this is like the very casual way of just like developing natural behavior, better delivery, better mouth habits, and without any real concern. So there's Prairie Doggin. Um, Miss Prairie. Yeah. And then Memph, I mean, everybody has heard kind of Memph's like story on her joints with the tick borne disease. We have to get her to a. Well, we're going to go to UGA, but a clinic where they can do like neuro tests and orthopedics. Really? Yeah. Man, I didn't know any of this stuff. Well, you don't listen to the podcast. No, I mean, I knew that she had. I, <laughs> <laughs> you say that, and I'm actually uh, shopping. Gunner got cool new stuff, so check that out in case anyone's interested. Nice. But, uh, no, I knew that she had a tick borne illness and her joints were, you know, were struggling a little bit there, and so she's not. Yeah. as uh, sharp as she used to be, but I didn't know about UGA and what you guys are doing there. Can you maybe, I don't know, tell me about it. Forget everybody else. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was That's what I was going to do, Kev. So yeah. basically uh, we need to rule a bunch of things out. So by taking her to UGA where they've got a panel of professors and, and real deal veterinarians as well as students who are learning this junk, they're going to be able to do a neuro exam, a spine exam, and look at, like, maybe, dude, who knows? Maybe she's got a a slipped disc. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not, but, you know, it could be it could be something that isn't diagnosed at your normal veterinarian's hospital where they're like, here's some antibiotics, and you're fleeing tick, and you're good for the year. Like, they don't see this caliber of dog with these kind of sports injuries if you will on a daily basis and therefore they don't have the equipment and whatnot to diagnose properly so we're yeah. gonna take and we have cornell up in new york and they couldn't get me in so we're gonna take her we're gonna take her down there what is that buddy uh an alarm going off it's fine oh sorry that's okay <laughs> Um, well, I didn't know if it so, was something on my end. So anyways. Oh, no, you're good. So I, I with Cornell and stuff, like, I feel, or with those doctors and stuff, have you, have you talked with, like, Dr. Spoo? Good friend, Dr. Spoo? 
you know, I haven't. I should, but I, I, you know, I don't like bothering him too much. I've bothered him a few times on some stuff, and he's phenomenal about helping me. But I don't know. I just feel bad. So maybe you're right. Next time I go for a little drive, I'll call him and BS with him. But long story short, uh, I was approached by someone who listens to this podcast. His buddy does, it's called platelet replacement therapy or something like that. And it's like stem cells. And so what we need to do first is rule out everything else that possibly could be. And if it's just literally inflammation in our joints, we're going to perform something that they do on like racehorses and really, really expensive animals. And they've now brought it into the dog world. And it's not that crazy expensive. So we're going to rule everything out of UGA. Then if everything's ruled out, then we're going to try this platelet thing. And hopefully they have like an 80% success rate. And success is deemed like she may never be 100% like back to her old self. But if she gains 30% more mobility in her joints and, and eases some discomfort and she can run and train harder again, then that's worth it. Um, some dogs it's 90% mobility back and they feel like a spring chicken. So we're going to try it. Um, you know, and, and I mean, it's not that she's not training. It's just shoot, man. It's just not the same. So I'm not grinding on her. She's sleeping here with Prairie. You know, she went to the beach and ran with Carrie and Prairie and, you know, she gets to do a lot of stuff and, and I'll, I'll take her out and train, but it's, uh, I feel, I'll feel better when we have tested this stuff out and she can come and grind every day with me. Um, but we're going to run master tests too. Like we're going to try and qualify for Idaho master national. So it's kind of time to quit being lazy during duck season and get to grinding. And I'm hoping that we can take a few dogs, uh, this year and be successful. So that's that man that's what's new with me now um i want to get into some of these questions from our patreon members we had they wrote in on patreon and and so we're going to answer them here on the podcast and then also on like a, a video thing for patreon so kev why don't you dip into that my friend yeah uh let's see so we had a really good one and you kind of touched on it already and uh so this you know, pat myself on the back for this little segue. Uh, Dennis Mounts was wondering if you could explain a little bit about direct versus indirect pressure and kind of like the differences between them, how you personally use both of them, when you would use one versus another, things like that. Sure. So Dennis is not only a Patreon member, but he also sent his dog to me for the Southern trip. Her name is Maddie and Maddie is a black Labrador retriever that, uh, is doing pretty well. I mean, she's definitely her quirk that I've got to work through is she's nervous. She's very um, unsure of herself with new people and new surroundings. So once you get her going and it's work time, she hammers marks. She's steady. She's force fat. She can run blinds, but it took me several days to earn enough trust to like pet her. Um, so we're going to have a little bit of, of work ahead of us and Dennis knows this, so I'm not telling anybody anything he doesn't know, 
but yeah. we're gonna have our work cut out for us, like you know, uh, swim by. I mean, shoot, that might be a little hard, or de cheating, or things that you know you kind of you can use attrition, and attrition would be like do it and do it and do it and do it until they get it right and they can't do it wrong. Um, but we also use pressure too, and so it'll be interesting to figure her out even more and how she handles pressure. So, uh, but anyways, she's a nice little dog and we had a really good day today. So again, maybe, maybe we're making a breakthrough and she loves her uncle Bob now, but direct pressure would be a correction on the command that you're giving. So if I tell you sit and I tap your butt with a healing stick or nick you on the collar and tell you sit, that's direct pressure, indirect pressure would be me telling you sit or tapping you on the butt or whatever when you're being vocal at the line. The direct command you're screwing up would be maybe like quiet, but the indirect pressure would be sit. So in that example, if a dog is being vocal at the line or in the blind, and everybody asks this question, and truthfully, it's the hardest thing to train, so take it with a grain of salt, but... um, if they're worried about sitting and breaking the sit command, even though they're not, even though the butt hasn't moved and you're sticking them for sit or whatever, that would be indirect pressure. So they're thinking about sitting. Now, another one, direct pressure would be here. If the dog is running and screwing around and not coming when they're called and you tell them here and you apply e-collar pressure, that is direct pressure on the here command. They're blowing off here. You give them pressure on here. Indirect pressure would be a dog who is chomping on a bumper or a bird as they're delivering it. And I use the here command with a low continuous pressure here. So if they're hurrying up because of the pressure, because I delivered the here command with pressure, then they're going to be less likely to chomp on the bumper. Um, what would be another good one? I mean, those are the most common things I can think of. But That's fine. I, I feel like you kind of really, I think, explained it. If anyone has questions, please feel free to follow up, and maybe we can do a video explaining, like, here's what this looks like. Here's what this looks like. Yeah, like, for instance, I did indirect pressure with Quinn today. She was fired up after the first mark, and it was a really fluffy duck. And she kind of, I could see her just mouthing it as she was getting closer to me, like, excited to deliver to hand and excited for the next one. I got her on the e-collar here. Mouthing stopped. She, she realized that it was work time, not goof around time. And whoop, right into sit. Mouth was good. Took the duck, ready to work again. That would be indirect pressure right there, literally four hours ago, three hours ago. So, all right, next question. So we had a, a good question about um, dogs at different ages. Uh, our friend Justin here said, uh, what are good age goals to set uh, when running a dog at each test, junior, junior, senior master 
He said, I understand that every dog is different and every age is different, but hey, like at one, you should roughly be running like a junior or at three, you should roughly be running a whatever. Sure. So understanding that, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but, uh, you know, what would you give as an average? Yeah. So I'm going to give the answer and then I'm going to give another, what do I want? A piece of advice. So I'm going to give the answer, then advice. The answer, I would say, on average, for a junior, AKC junior hunt test, which is, they have to be pretty obedient. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be steady, but they can't be yanking you around. They have to be force-fetched and delivered a hand. And technically, they don't have to be force-fetched, but if they drop it at your feet, you can't pick it up. They have to pick it up and give it to you. But you can kind of like scoop it from them if it's in their mouth. But how I do it is I make them do it right. I mean, you teach them the right way and you expect nice things. But go and get a a 70-yard landmark, bring it back. Get ready, do a a 60-yard landmark, go and get it and bring it back, deliver to hand, and walk off the line. Um, I would say on average, you know, let's say we start formal obedience and force fetch at six months, probably by... 8, 9, 10, 11 months old, you're completely ready to rock and pass and crush and look phenomenal at a junior test. Then senior, you got to do double on land, double on water, a a land blind and a water blind. You got to honor, you got to do a walk up, all off leash. I mean, your dog's got to be pretty darn dialed in, pretty darn dialed in. And I would say, on average, you're anywhere between a year and a half and maybe two years old. You know, maybe maybe a little younger than a year and a half to, to up to two years old. And then for master tests, I would say anywhere between two years old and dead. I mean, realistically, I mean, there are dogs that I see running master tests that are like, 13 years old because them and their owners just love it so much. And they just are, are that's their weekend away. It's like going on vacation to go to a hunt test, see their friends, run their dogs. And so it's gotten 78 master passes in its life. And they just show up. It's an hour away from their house. They come see their friends. They have some drinks at night and go out to eat and run their dog in a master test. Um, but I would say anywhere between two and three is when most dogs are, capable and ready now here's a piece of advice tests are an awesome way they're awesome to do like and i want to maybe touch on this a little bit more even after this thing this little segment uh meaning i want to talk about you know hunting season's over now what what do we do um but but first that piece of advice is train more and train at a higher level than what you're going to see at the test. Because when you get to the test, you're not able to nick that collar. You're not able to say no. You're not able to do things that in a training environment help us keep control and help us teach and help us show that dog what's right. We have to be so well conditioned before, like at the test that Whatever they do as judges, you know, for the dogs, 
your dog should be above that level so that they're not you should be underwhelmed does that make sense you should be not surprised at what what blind we've got to run oh my gosh my dog's never done this like i hope they do it that should never happen um and what happens is people get in this rush to get these passes and we talked with uh brandon sweezy about this and and his dog jones and aries would be an example and and all of a sudden they 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 get these bad habits because they learned by chasing these ribbons at a young age and got away with blowing off whistles and creeping and you know whatever breaking on the honor and they catch the live flyer you know things like that that you can't have you don't have control you don't have an e-collar you don't have a healing stick you don't have a leash you don't well you don't really have a leash and you don't have you can't talk to them and tell them sit when they're moving you know things like that and you can really allow some bad habits to form if you don't have a really strong base and a, a dog that you've trained to the uh, above that level so that when you go to the level it's it should be a walk in the park and so me and Blaine talked about it and it's like he's got a really really nice dog his name's Kenny Kenny's like maybe three years old and so remember I said master dogs from like two to three well Blaine's a pro dog trainer Kenny's his dog his wife's dog and he's waited this whole time to run Kenny because right now Kenny is like in the prime he's not moving at all on the line he's not blowing off whistles at all he's not taking crappy casts he's just seeing water and getting in he's just trained and trained and trained and is so over prepared that when he goes to a master hunt test he makes it look easy and controlled and and so that's what i did with memphis that's what i'm going to do with quinn that's what i'm going to do with prairie because I am not in a rush. I don't have anything to prove to say, I got her master title at uh, 14 months old. Like, she must be amazing. When people tell me that, I'm thinking, hmm, I bet it's, I bet it's like loosey-goosey. And, and if it's not, God bless you. But so many people who rush through and speed through these tests to try and knock them all out in a summer or, you know, back-to-back weekends or back-to-back weekends with double masters where they're running two master tests in a weekend next weekend go run two master tests and try and qualify for master nationals all of a sudden your dog's 10 feet out in front of you and breaking and you wonder why you're running too many tests they get test wise they get overexcited at these tests and you don't have control over them like you do in training and so it's important to balance it i'm not telling you not to in fact i am encouraging you to go and run hunt tests I'm just encouraging you to think about being so prepared for the test, you and your dog, that it won't be a place where they start developing bad habits that you're going to have to fix and deal with. Um, so when we talk about age, that's it's it's not a race. It's not who can get their dog to these levels as young as possible and these like little accolades and bragging things that I don't think are cool. You telling me you've got a super young master dog? It's like, that's cool. Is it going to be nice to hunt with? Is it going to be nice to run a test with? Or are you on pins and needles that it's going to break? Or be vocal? Or whatever the case, you know, beat you to the line and you're stressed out on the walk-up. Like, 
No, just train, man. And then go run the test and go smack it and make it look like it's easy. That's what, not that I do that every time, but like, that's my goal. I want to go to a test with a dog that's so prepared that nothing, nothing happens. We just go and smoke. So, um, there's that. Now, segue into a little shout out to running hunt tests. I hope I didn't turn anybody away from that, but. What I love about hunt tests is it it's hunting season in the off season. It's training, it's it's pursuing a better dog for you and your dog, you know, teamwork, drills, training, marks, challenging yourself as a handler and a trainer and a hunter to get a better dog out in the end for next season. So now that duck season is over, get out to the fields, get out to the ponds, you know, Maybe you got a young dog and now it's time to start teaching it how to run blinds. Let's tackle that challenge. Let's learn how to run blinds so that next fall you can blow your whistle in the duck marsh and cast it into the cattails and your dog finds the bird. Um, and that's what hunt tests were designed to do. It was for the off season and have fun getting a better dog in the end. So if you've never been to one, I would encourage you to look at Kev, watch this segue. The other question we got, and he can ask it in a second, but like we go to Entry Express or HuntSecretary.com, and that's where you find tests in your area. By state, by date, where the club is, there's literally information of like club president, treasurer, secretary, emails, phone numbers. So if you've never been, get on there and be like, hey, I'm John... John Smith uh, from Iowa, um, Boise, is that Iowa? Boise, Iowa, Boise, Idaho. It's Idaho, but Iowa's keep going. going. Yeah, Uncle Bob's not good at math, geography, different geography things. It's okay. Well, yeah. after I said, I'm like, no, 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 no. What's in Iowa? Des Moines. Yeah. All right, Des Moines. I'm from Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to run a hunt test. It's kind of I don't how, funny how you got to figure a, out what they sound. Yeah, they got a Long Island accent in Des Moines. So uh, you'd go on Entry Express or Hunt Secretary, and you can find a test in that general vicinity. It might be two hours away, but shoot, man, on a Saturday, you've never been to a hunt test, get up, get you a cup of coffee, take your dog, and bring a crate. Don't be the guy that you know, has a dog yanking you around while ducks are flying and other dogs are working, but go, go see what it's all about and be like, dang, my dog can do that. All right, let's do it. Sign up for the next one. It's two months from now, buckle down training and get to it. And, uh, it's fun, man. I used to ride my bicycle from our house, Kev, to three rivers and watch and watch hunt. There you go, Kevin. Real well-behaved dogs. Who's that? Birdie? Covey? Couldn't have been Andy. I think it's everybody. The neighbors are going. Well, Andy was taking a good nap. Little raggedy Andy. I but, told you uh, it wasn't the neighbor's Andy. Neighbors' dogs were going. I nope. told you it wasn't Andy. What? Well, she's perfect. <laughs> Anyways, you used to ride your bike. Yeah, so I would go. I, River. I would hear gunshots going off in the summertime, and so I'd ride my bike, and I knew it was going to be a field trial or a hunt test, uh, or I mean, not that it's it's the same thing, but there'd be horseback pointing dog trials too, and so you'd roll up, and there'd be. 
horse trailers and and English pointers and setters and short hairs all out on tie out stakes and and you could watch them run or it'd be an AKC hunt test and you could go to junior and then I'd ride my bike over to the senior and I'd ride my bike over to master and then I'd go home um and I really loved it and uh that's how I got the the bug really of boy someday I'd like to try this and I think the first test I ever ran was at Three Rivers with Buck. Yeah. So pretty neat little uh, story on that, I guess. But, I mean, that's what I would do. So, Kev, ask the question so that we can give the shout-out to one of our Patreons who asked it. We can. Uh, Before we do that, though, mini disclaimer, uh, Bob's not saying when you hear gunshots, grab your bike and ride toward it. But, I mean, some, some people run away from danger i run towards it kevin yeah you look like a guy who does uh <laughs> so jay was saying that he uh wants to run his first hunt test this year which is awesome please do i think you'd be uh pleasantly surprised with how much fun you'll have uh but was wondering like how and where do you sign up and then like what are some things that you need are there like uh entry fees, dog registration numbers. Do you have to be AKC registered with your dog? Like, are there any like little mini things you got to have ahead of time? Okay. Um, yes, there are entry fees. Each club is different, but in general, I'm going to say a junior test is between 65 and $80. A senior test is between 70 and $85. And a master test is between eighty and ninety-five dollars. Um, on any given weekend, you could run two junior tests. So on Saturday is one test. You can pass it, get a ribbon. On Sunday, you can run a test, pass it, get a ribbon. So now in one weekend, you spent one hundred and fifty bucks or whatever, and you got two junior passes, one from each day. You've had a blast. Then, you know, a month later, the test rolls back around to that area or you want to travel a little bit, you can do it again. Saturday is one, Sunday is another. Um, Senior, same thing. Saturday is its own test. Sunday is its own test. Now, for master, it's all weekend. So there's one test on, and it starts on Saturday and ends on Sunday. Now, there's caveats. There's midweek master test. There's master test that starts on Friday and goes through Sunday, and they've got 120 dogs. So there's differences. But my point is, well, sometimes there's double master tests, and you can run two in one weekend. But in essence, it is a two-day event, and you get one pass if you pass it. It's three series, land series, water series, and a land water series. Um, and it's advanced. I mean, they can throw pretty much anything at you and it's really challenging and fun. And if you get a, a master hunter, uh, uh, title on your dog, you've done something special. Um, but you can find those on entry express hunt secretary, I believe is just super retriever series and HRC. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure. I haven't been on Hunt Secretary in a while. Um, Do you mostly use Entry Express then? Is yeah. That you say like that's your go-to? Yeah, that's my go-to because that's where the AKC hunt tests are. So um, that, that's, yeah, that's what I use. Uh, what else? 
So you got entry fees, you got where to go, what you need to bring. For a junior test, you need to have a snap lead and a flat collar. You cannot have an e-collar on your dog, and you cannot have a choke chain on your dog. You cannot have an English-style slip lead on your dog. It has to be a snap lead on a flat collar. Um, No hunt test will allow you to use an e-collar, so just leave it at home or something. Or leave it in your truck for when you're at the hotel airing. Um, You cannot train on the grounds during the test. So you can't take a bumper or a duck and go work on something on the grounds that your dog screwed up on Saturday. And so you're trying to pass on Sunday. You can't go and try and like sneak away and do it. Uh, you will be disqualified and probably written up. Uh, it's, it's pretty relaxed environment, even though I kind of gave like that example real quick, but like, it's very relaxed. It's very fun. A lot of great people, people bring grills and have lunch. You know, some places will have lunch provided for, you know, a five or $10 thing. Uh, it's really community driven and I'm sure you'll meet people that, and have fun no matter where you go and what you do. Um, it's a great place to introduce yourself to professional dog trainers and find out that they live 40 minutes away from you and you can jump on the bandwagon and throw birds for them. And there you go. Uh, make a new friend, get some advice, whatever. Um, what else, Kev? What did he, what were the other ones he asked? What did they, uh, for, for senior, I'm sorry, for senior and master, you can't have a collar on the dog and you need to use a slip lead. So when you take, you you basically are in the holding blind. Judge tells you, you can come on down. You take the lead off, put it in your pocket and you have to walk off leash to the line. So your dog has to do that nicely. Um, you know, bring a crate, bring a bunch of water, bring some food. You know, if it's really, really hot, maybe go and get you one of them Ryobi, fans with the rechargeable battery and kick that sucker on in case you can't get in the shade um get you know or a gunner kennel fan i was just gonna say or you get a gunner kennel kennel fan yep i do too it's pretty sick um bring food just in case hydration bush lights for afterwards you cannot drink during a hunt test but there's always something called a beer dog and he's that he or she would be the last dog to run for the day. And that is the beer dog. So when that dog runs, then you can crack you a bush latte. That's, so, a, good, that's a good way to end it, too. Because yeah. we're going to continue on with uh, some of the questions that we got. We have like 15 more. And we're going to do a video, you and me, and uh, go through those in, in detail for anybody who's on Patreon and interested. Yeah. So, again, selfish plug for Patreon. If you'd like more of this stuff, if you want to just get on there and help support us with what we're doing and providing information and entertainment, you know, it's it can be as little as five bucks a month. And it also gets you entered into the sweepstakes for Pit Boss. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week. We've got a really interesting episode next week uh, unless they bail on me, but they better not. So stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Until the next episode, peace out.
Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs, and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.